Since I finished this message that God gave to me for you, I've been encouraged about sharing it with you. I think it's going to help you today. I really do. I believe that what's going to happen, that many of you today, you're going to be strengthened, you're going to be encouraged, that you're going to be fortified in your faith. And furthermore, the Word of God is going to give you, if you will allow it to, and I believe that you will, it will give you a faith lift, a faith lift. Now, some of you may have thought that you heard me say facelift, and you're like, Pastor Jeff, I just, you know, I don't need a facelift. If you can look at me and see how great I look, I don't need a facelift of all things. No, I didn't say facelift. I said a faith lift. You're going to receive a lifting in your faith because the Bible is totally able to build and strengthen our faith. And we could all use that during these troubling times, but not just now. This is truths from God's Word that will last you and I a lifetime, long beyond the time that we're in right now. Now, last week, we began this series that we're calling Questions. Uh, questions. Do you know that the Gospels share, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that the Gospels record over 100 questions that were asked by Jesus Himself? Now, last week, uh, if you were with us, you'll remember this. If not, you can go and you can, uh, you can watch that on demand on our website. You can look that up. But in week number one, we spent time talking from Mark's gospel, and we talked about this question, this first question that Jesus asked his disciples. He asked them, he said, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? We talked about that uh, last time. We're going back into the Gospels today to focus on another question, and what I want you to do is I want you, right there where you're at, to follow along with me. There are four verses I want you to see. You've got to see these. These are tremendous verses found in Matthew chapter 9, uh, and we're going to start at verse 27. I hope you're ready for this. I-, I want you to see this. This is so good. It says, again, beginning at verse 27, When Jesus left that place, he had just performed an incredible miracle. When Jesus left that place, two blind men followed him. They shouted, have mercy on us, son of David. It's very intentional, and I'll come back to that if we have time. Jesus went into a house. They shout out, he went into a house. We need to talk about that. Jesus went into a house, and the blind men followed him. He said to them, this is our question for now. Do you believe that I can do this? I want you to see this again. In fact, you may want to say it right out loud where you're at. Would you just ask this question with me, this question that Jesus asked? Say it out loud. Do you believe that I can do this? Yes, Lord, they answered. He touched their eyes, Jesus did, and he said, what you have believed will be done for you. We're going to talk about that. Then look at this last phrase, then they could see, and then they could see. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to consider in this current reality, what is your greatest need for you? What is your greatest need? What is your biggest challenge that you are faced with right now? Uh, For many of you, it, it might be in your health that your greatest challenge, not that you don't have other needs and other challenges, but your greatest challenge right now would be something in your health or in the health of a family member or a friend, 
and you need God to touch you or them to bring a healing touch. Uh, your greatest need may actually be right now in your job and whatever is playing out in your job or in your business. And you're like, you know, I need God's intervention. I need God's touch. I need God's miracle in my job, um, you know, in my business. Or it may be a situation in your family. Maybe something that's going on right now with your parents or with your kids or in your marriage. That may be what your greatest need is. It may be that your greatest need right now is a habit or it may be an addiction that you're struggling with. And stressful times has only accelerated that. You're like, you know what? I was struggling before, but my greatest need is I'm really struggling with that right now. Jesus asked this amazing question that you just saw in verse 28. But this is what I want you to know. You've got to understand this. You've got to absorb this in your own life. This is not just a question that Jesus was asking on that day to two blind men. This is actually a question that Jesus is asking you right here, right now. He's asking you, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can meet this need? Do you believe that I can perform this miracle? Do you believe that I can do something powerful and supernatural? in your life. Do you believe that? Now, there is a phrase in the next verse, verse 29, that is very important. And and I don't want you to miss it. It's so important. Jesus, just before he opened the eyes of these blind guys, Jesus made this statement. He said, what you believe will be done for you. I want you to think about that. That's really important. What you believe will be done for you. In another translation, it records it like this, according to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Now, I I want you to just think about that for just a moment. And as it really settles into your mind, your heart, your spirit, I I think you're going to realize that this is actually tremendous news. This is great news. It's great news for you. It's great news for me. Why is it such great news? It is such great news because it lets us know, and again, I don't want you to miss this, that Jesus responds to faith. Did you know that Jesus loves your faith? When you say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm faced with a challenge. I'm faced with a need. I've got a circumstance going on in my life, my health, my family, my career. I've got a situation going on in my life right now. Do you know that when you believe, when you trust God, that God loves that kind of faith, that that kind of faith, when you believe that God is able to intervene in your life and circumstances, that God loves that kind of faith and it moves his heart. And Jesus ask the question, do you believe? And he's asking it to you right now. Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this for you right now in your life? So we're going to talk about that. What kind of faith does God really honor? And I want you to settle in because this is going to help you in these next few moments. What kind of faith is it that God really honors? What is the kind of faith that you and I can have that is really going to be blessed by God? Now, In these next few moments, I'm going to mention three types of faith, and I want you to know right up front that you do not have to be like the world's greatest Christian to qualify for this. It's not like you say, well, you know, this is applicable to my life if I'm like a super saint, if I'm like a great Christian, if I'm like Jesus Jr., this is applicable for my life. That's that's not what the Bible says. You've got to believe But you don't have to be like the most mature uh, Christian in all of the world. You can't. Yes, 
you, you can possess this kind of faith. Three types of faith, and I want to walk you through them right out of this passage that we've looked at. The first of all, the first kind of faith that God honors, the first kind of faith that God blesses is a faith that believes even though you cannot see the end result. Let me say that again. What kind of faith is it that God honors? What kind of faith is it that God loves? What kind of faith is it that God blesses? God blesses, God honors a faith that believes even though you cannot see the end result. Now, this next verse, it's not in the Gospels, but it's in Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to look at this verse because it ties into everything that we're talking about right here, right now. Look at this. To have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for. To have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for to be, and this is the part that I want you to really pay attention to. It's to be certain of the things we cannot see. It is to be certain of the things we cannot see. This is the kind of faith that God blesses. This is the kind of faith that God honors, that we believe and we hang on to the promises of God, even though we cannot yet see the end result. Now, if you already see the answer, if you can already see the answer, or if the need has already been met, or if the miracle has already occurred, then in a case like that, let me just speak it plainly, then, then faith is not even necessary. I mean, if the answer's already come. But that's not where you're at. You are praying, you are believing, you are trusting, you are expecting, and yet maybe for you, the answer has not yet come. Do you still believe? Do you still believe that God is able to do this? Now, if you're in that kind of situation and you're like, you know, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm trusting, I'm expecting, but I've not had an answer yet. God has not provided a miracle as of yet. Now, that requires faith. And God loves it when you and I have that kind of faith. In fact, this is the faith that these blind guys have. What did Jesus ask them? Jesus asked them, you saw it just a moment ago, do you believe that I can do this for you? Do you believe that I can do this for you? And their reply is, yes, Lord, we believe. Now, how can you know that you have a faith like that? How can you be confident that you possess that kind of faith? And I'll tell you how. Here's how you can know. Are you praying about it? Because if you and I don't believe that He is able, we're certainly not going to spend our time praying. If you believe that God is able to do something in your life, your circumstances, health, family, job, career, whatever it is, if you believe that He's able to do something, then you're going to be having ongoing conversations with God concerning that. Are you praying about it? If you're praying about it, then I believe you have that kind of faith. You haven't seen the answer yet, but you're still believing. Let me ask you another question. Are you praying often about it? In college basketball, there's this term, one and done. And, and I hope that your prayers are not like one and done prayers, like, Jesus, I've asked you to do this. I'm praying about it, and the answer has not yet come. And, uh, you know, I've prayed about it now for two whole days, and you've not answered that prayer. Well, that kind of faith that we're talking about right now, the kind of faith that the blind men had, even though they had not yet received their answer, their miracle has not yet transpired, they still believe, even though they cannot see what God is about to do. Here's another question. Are you truly expecting that God is going to show up in a big way to meet the need that you have? 
I was thinking about this while I was working on this message. Why is it that you and I, why is it that we typically only ask God to do the little things? Uh, We say things like this. You've done it. I've done it. Uh, We've got in the car. We're going to travel somewhere. And we say, you've done this many times, so have I. God, I'm asking you to give me a safe trip. Well, you know, we need God. We want God to give us a safe trip. But the reality is that's not necessarily a big, bold request that we're making. How How about this one? Have you ever asked God this? I said this to God. God, it's a small thing. I mean, this can be big if it's perpetual in your life, and I don't want to minimize that. But have you ever said something like this? God, help me to sleep well tonight. I didn't sleep well last night or the night before. I'm tired. I'm busy. God, help me to sleep well tonight. Have you ever said that? But just in case, just in case, I have some Z-Quil right here on the nightstand. We're asking God to do little things. And we need to ask Him for all things. But why is it that we only ask God to do the small things? Or we say something like this, and we do it. We all bless our food. God, would you bless this meal? How many times have you said what I've said? God, bless this meal to the nourishment of my body. Now, I don't know about for you, but about six days a week, I can pray that prayer genuinely. God, what I'm about to eat, I'm asking you to bless it to the nourishment of my body. Now, a lot of you who know me, you know that six days a week I eat clean, but come Sunday night, Katie, bar the door, I am going to not eat clean. And often for me, it's going to be my favorite pizza. It's going to be a little bit of bluebell ice cream. And I've never on a Sunday night with a clear conscience picked up a steaming hot piece of pepperoni and mushroom pizza and said, God bless this to the nourishment of my body, because I think I'd hear God say, hey, Jeff, you're all on your own in this one. I can't bless that to the nourishment of your body, nor that bluebell ice cream that you're about to eat. Why is it that you and I often ask God to do the little things? Please listen, friends. You and I serve a big God who is able to do big, powerful, mind-blowing, supernatural, miraculous things, and He wants us to ask Him to do it, even though we cannot yet see. The second kind of faith that God honors, I want you to be sure you get this now, is a faith that is persistent. What is persistence? And let me just give you a little picture here. This is, a, this is an analogy. This is a picture of persistence. Think of, and I know we're not able to shop quite like we have in times past, but I want you to think about uh, your grandkids or your kids being in a shopping cart and you're slowly pushing them down the candy aisle at the store. You talk about persistence. You will see some persistent little pleas as they reach and ask for and cling to every bit of candy they can possibly uh, reach out for. I really like the way that someone has described persistence. Perhaps you will as well. Persistence, this one writer says, is like wrestling a gorilla. Wrestling a gorilla. You don't quit when you get tired. You quit when the gorilla gets tired. That's persistence. You've got to hang in there, whether at times you feel like it or not. Now, back in Matthew chapter 9, we notice the persistence of these two blind men. The blind men said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. In fact, you saw the phrase a moment ago, have mercy on us, son of David. 
son of David. Now that phrase, when they said, these two blind men, have mercy on us, son of David, it lets us know by using that phrase, they already have come to the reality that Jesus is the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on us. And they cry out to him, Jesus, why does he do? And you're like reading this maybe later, and you're like, I don't understand why Jesus did this. They cry out to him, what does Jesus do? You may be surprised by this. It says that he went into the house. They cry out. He went into the house. He just kept walking. And you're like, wow, really? Is like Jesus being rude there? Is he like just ignoring them? Do they not matter? It's not that at all. I believe like we're about to see in just a moment, he is testing their faith. Verse 26, or verse 28 rather, says this, the blind men followed him. They cry out. Jesus kept walking. He goes into the house. And what do these blind men do? They are persistent. They're like, you know what? He's going to have to heal us or throw us out or completely ignore us. But there's persistence that they have. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to hang in there till we get an answer to our prayer. This is such a great verse. This is over in one of Paul's uh, letters to some believers living at Colossae. And this is such a great verse. I wanted you to see it. Uh, Paul says, be persistent. Look at that phrase. Be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. How should we be when we're praying? We should be persistent. In Luke chapter 18, and we'll not look at those verses, but in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this very captivating story about a, a, a widow who is extraordinarily persistent. I want to do a quick time out right here and just say, you know, the widow that I knew most was the one that we in our family uh, for years and years and years affectionately referred to as Memo. And Memo passed away not too long ago, a couple of years ago, and our Memo was a widow, and I did the math on it. She was a widow, and I, I didn't even realize until I did the little calculation that she was a widow for nearly 50 years. My papa, our papa, passed away back in 1971. And she was a widow, a widow that I knew most. And I can tell you, and all of my family, and a lot of them are watching right now, could tell you that she was a persistent mammal. Among a lot of other things, she was persistent. Now, this widow in Luke chapter 18, she's persistent. But I think it's also helpful for us to realize that she's financially broke. She's being continually harassed. She is emotionally spent, and she is desperate. And she keeps making this persistent appeal to this unrighteous judge. She's like, I've, I've got to get some help. I'm, I'm desperate. I've got this need. I don't have anybody else to go to. And she keeps appealing to uh, what in the story Jesus tells us is an unrighteous judge. And the judge is not really listening much initially. But she just keeps going back and, and back. And she's persistent. And she's like, you know, I'm going to show up. I, I'm going to be back here in the courts. I'm going to be wherever you're at. I'm going to be there. I'm persistent because I need some help. I need some relief. Finally, this judge reacts to her need. Now, Jesus lets us know that when this unrighteous judge uh, reacts to her need, he, he's not doing it out of love. He's not doing it out of compassion. He is simply doing it. And the Scripture is clear on this because of, because of this widow's unrelenting plea. So with that in mind, I want you to check out these two verses over in Luke chapter 18. Look at verses 6 and 7. 
then the Lord said, Jesus wants us to see something here. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even an unjust judge has a lesson to teach you, not a moral lesson, not a compassion lesson, but he has a lesson that we can learn from. And Jesus said, even he, this unrighteous judge, even he rendered a just decision in the end. And then look at this phrase. So don't you think, if this unrighteous judge respond and made a decision. Don't you think that God will surely give justice to His chosen people? That's you. Now look at this next part. Who cry out. This is persistence. Who cry out to Him day and night. They keep crying out. They keep. They're not one and done. It's not like, uh, I've prayed about it three days and I'm just going to give up. Who cry out to Him day and night. Look at this. Will He keep putting them off? And you have to catch this, friends, because this is so important. And if you miss this, you're going to miss something that God can use to encourage us and to inspire our faith. And what Jesus wants us to know is this. If an unjust, unsympathetic judge responded to her, how much more will your loving Heavenly Father move heaven and earth to make sure that He meets your need? If an unrighteous judge will do it, how much more will your heavenly Father meet your need? Not because He feels coerced into doing so, but because He loves you. If you back up to verse 1, Luke tells us why. Jesus shares this story. It's not on the screen, but He says, Jesus told this story, this is back in uh, verse 1 of Luke 18, to show them, to show them what? That they should always pray and not give up. What kind of faith does God honor and bless? A faith that believes even when we cannot see. Secondly, a faith that is persistent. Thirdly and lastly, God honors a faith. And I want you to catch this. I want you to get this. God honors a faith that takes action even when it does not make sense. You take a step of faith. You choose a course of action even though it may just seem totally crazy. The two blind men in Matthew chapter 9 probably felt completely foolish following Jesus into a house. Like, why are we doing this? Why? I mean, we called out, Son of David, have mercy on us. He just kept walking. He went into the house. Why should we even go into the house? You know, why should we? You know, perhaps today is not our day. Jesus has much more pressing needs than our needs are. Jesus has a lot more important things to do. Maybe they're wondering that. Maybe they're saying among themselves, the two of them, we're just ordinary people at best. There's nothing special about us. We're not important. We're not significant. Why would he want to do something? for us. We have no standing in society. We have no resources. We're just normal, everyday, non-special kind of people. Maybe they're thinking that. Maybe they're thinking this. We have had this need for such a long time. It's crazy to think that anything about our current reality would change anyhow. We've had this need for so long, and yet what did they do? They did the same thing you and I need to do. They took action. Later in the Scriptures, James the brother of Jesus tells us how that Abraham, going all the way back to our patriarchal father, how that Abraham matched his faith with his deliberate action. God asked Abraham to sacrifice, and you can read about that later, that God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, Abraham, and we don't have the time, obviously, in these moments to get into it, but Abraham did not realize that what God was asking him to do, he doesn't realize it at the moment, but what God was asking him to do was to really take a test. This is not an injunction because God would never ask Abraham or anybody else, for that matter, to sacrifice their son. Uh, God was willing to sacrifice his son, Jesus, 
But God would never ask anybody else. And this is not an injunction. This is a test, but he wants to see what Abraham, the father of our faith, what he does with his test. I want you to do something crazy. I want you to gather up the wood. I want you to go to the top of the mountain. And I want you crazy. I want you to sacrifice your son. Abraham's action. He went, he, he, he did everything that God had asked him to do. And then it seemed at the last hour, God said, listen, it's not about Isaac. And God provided the sacrifice and it wasn't Isaac. It wasn't his son. And God was testing Abraham's faith and Abraham pa- passed the test. Abraham's action actually demonstrated the authenticity of his faith, the genuineness of his faith. Now, James is talking about this, and I want you to sit right here. James 2.22, and he just sort of summarizes it by saying, you see that Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith and what he did, that's important. It's not just that he had faith, it's that what he did with his faith. Abraham's faith and what he did, they worked together together. His faith, catch this, I want you to see this, it's really important. His faith was shown to be genuine, authentic faith. How was it proven to be genuine? It was proven to be genuine, authentic, by what he did. So Abraham believed, but he did more than believe. He took a step of faith. He chose a course of action. And as we're about done, I want to just say to you, right here, right now, What about you? Right where you're at. What about you? What about in your life? Maybe you're thinking, why should I move? Why should I believe? Why should I act? Why should I take a step of faith? It seems crazy. Maybe you come up with a litany of reasons as to why you should take a step of faith would be deemed crazy. Maybe you say, uh, well, it would be crazy because my need is too big. My need is too gargantuan. There's no way. This is so massive, my need is. It would be crazy to think that I'd get an answer to this prayer. Maybe you feel that way. Or maybe you feel like your need is too insignificant. Maybe in your mind you say, well, God's got other pressing matters on his mind and heart these days. And what is going on uh, in a global scale all over this world. And, and my need is just too insignificant. God is so busy with bigger things that he doesn't care about my need. But I'm telling you, God cares about your need. And it's not too insignificant. Or maybe you say, my situation is too impossible. Or my situation is too deep-seated. I have struggled with this for so long. There's no way or my situation is too unique my situation is too complicated and this is what I want you to know as we close God wants you God wants you to take the faith that you have and fuse it together with a course of action because if you will take a step of faith I promise that God will meet you there if you will take a step of faith because the faith that God honors is a faith that believes even when you cannot see the end result. The kind of faith that God honors is a faith that is persistent. The kind of faith that God blesses is the kind of faith that says, I'm going to take action. I'm going to take a step of faith even when I know that it doesn't, you know, make sense. It made sense to God. Would you bow your heads right where you're at? If you're a follower of Jesus, do you believe that God can powerfully touch your life? and can touch your circumstances? Do you believe that God is able to do that? Do you believe that He's able? I'm telling you, He's able. 
You ask, you believe, you haven't seen it yet, but you believe your persistence, not one and done. I prayed about it three days, God, and I'm done. No, you keep hanging in there. It's too big, too complicated, too insignificant. It's too complicated. You keep believing. You take a step of faith. And God, I just pray that for every person right now, that they would just trust you and believe. Believe that you're able to touch, supernaturally touch their life and to touch their circumstances. I pray that you would do that for every follower of yours that is watching right now. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you just say, you know, I've not accepted Jesus as the Savior and the leader of my life, I want to encourage you right where you're at to take a step of faith right now. What you're doing is you're expressing faith in the grace of God, that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, that Jesus did, in fact, go to the cross to die for all of our sins. All of our sins were heaped upon him. By the way, we're going to talk about that on Easter and how that our sins was, and we believe that, that Jesus was the Son of God who he claimed to be, that he went to the cross to pay for our sins and as a result of that, paid our sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, so that you and I can be forgiven in the recipients of grace and mercy. And right now, I'm going to ask you, if you're not yet a Christian, or maybe you walk with Jesus at some point in the past and you've just gotten away from that, that you would come back to the faith, maybe the faith of your childhood, and you'd say, once again, Jesus, I need you in my life. Not just now, but for the rest of my life. If that's you, would you just pray with me right in your heart, right in your mind. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need forgiveness. I express faith in your grace. I believe, Jesus, you are who you claim to be, the Son of God. And that you came into this world, went to the cross to die for me. I receive you into my life. And best I know how, I will follow you. In these times, but in times yet to come, months, years to come, for the rest of my life. I receive you into my life right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you prayed and received Christ into your life, would you let us know? Would you connect with us? You're going to hear how you can do that. And uh, you connect with us. Let us know. We'd love to follow up on you. And I want to encourage you, next week is Easter. And it's going to be like so strange not gathering together as we typically would on Sunday, Easter Sunday. But we're going to gather together and we're going to see God do amazing things. I look forward to seeing you and your friends, and your family next week. God bless you. We love you. See you real soon.